what some people fail to realize is presentations are not, they're not a burden. They're not a chore, especially in the workplace. What they are is an opportunity to shine, right? They are an opportunity for you to showcase to others how proficient you are, your skill set, your communication skills. Sometimes we call them soft skills. Like it's, it's your opportunity to, to showcase them to whomever is in the audience. Hey there, and welcome to yet another episode of the World of Presentations podcast brought to you by us at presentation agency 356 Labs, uh, the company that's also behind the largest premium yearly presentation skills conference in the world called Present to Succeed. This podcast is for all of you who strive to be exceptional and deliver truly effective presentations every single time. So if you're that person, you're on the right place. I'm Boris, the founder of 356 Labs and your host for today's episode. And with me, I have another colleague of ours from the presentation industry. Uh, his name is Ryan uh, Warriner, right, Ryan? Warriner? Yep. Correct? Perfect. And he is the director and executive coach for professional presentation services. Ryan works with business professionals and helps them deliver, as he has, high-quality presentations. But interestingly enough, uh, he also teaches students in higher education to achieve both academic and professional success. Ran, welcome to the podcast and thanks for taking the time. Thank you very much for having me. I'm happy to be here. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. How did you end up being a part of the presentation world? Yeah, that's a good question. Thank you. Uh, so I initially, I was formally trained as a teacher. I knew early on, I, always, I enjoyed uh, communication. I enjoyed teaching and learning. I really enjoyed uh, psychology. In fact, that's what I, I studied when I first went to school with psychology, how people learn. And from there, from becoming a teacher, I kind of evolved and became a, a professor. And then after that, I started to become more involved with um, the private sector and some companies. And actually how that happened was, was quite interesting. I was a professor at a, a college in North America. And what happened was I have many friends in the California and the, the Bay Area, Silicon Valley. And I often go to visit them on vacation. They come to visit me and we'd start talking and they would talk about their, their pitches, their presentations that they would have. And just in passing, I would just mention some advice or I'd mention something, you know, a, a fact or some research that I had come across in my teachings. And there was a, an instant kind of a, a fit there where the they recognized right away, hey, you can add some value to us. Can you can you help? And I said, yeah, happy to help, especially happy to help anyone, especially friends of mine. So I that's how I kind of segued into um, helping presentations and, and helping business executives, you know, perform effective presentations in parallel to higher education. All right. Interesting. Everyone in this industry got into that industry by at, like, it was not planned at all. Uh, let's put it this way, but <laughs> everyone gets into the presentation world uh, by some type of very strange uh, circumstance or a series of circumstances. Anyway, you stress, we talked, like when we were exchanging those emails about the episode, we discussed the fact that you stress on the importance of understanding your audience tremendously. Like that is a super important thing when you work with your customers. Why do you push them to understand and why is it that people should understand their audiences extremely well? 
Right. It's another great question. Um, and you're absolutely right. That's where my focus comes from is the audience. And actually, after our, our chat, I kind of reflected back on why do I place so much emphasis on on the audience? Where did that come from? And I think it came from my time as a teacher where, you know, I, I my, let's say, measurement of how effective I was as a teacher wasn't in what I knew or how I even delivered it, per se. It was how much did the students learn? Right. Were they were they were kind of my measuring stick. Like, were they understanding and applying the content, the skills that I was delivering or not? And if they weren't, then there was an issue with with there may be an issue with the delivery or with the preparation or something I had to, to troubleshoot. So at the end of the day, I learned really early on and I didn't actually um, you know, formally identify. It. I guess you could say it was like subconsciously or unconsciously that I identified that the audience really is the key. So you, in any presentation, you need to have your audience either, you know, be more aware of something or be persuaded to do something, change their behavior, change their actions. And that is the ultimate goal. Um, not so much getting through the presentation or, you know, sometimes people say like, oh, I know I had a good presentation. If people tell me good job, if people say, wow, that was good. I liked your presentation. And then I asked them, I said, well, did, they, did the audience do what you intended for them to do? And they said, I don't know. So, well, then we don't really know whether or not it was effective, right? We just know that your performance maybe was entertaining or something like that. But, um, but yeah, the audience is, is to me, is key in achieving your desired outcome. It usually involves the audience in some capacity. Yeah. And by the way, what you're saying, when someone says from the audience, when somebody there says you did well or you did great, but no one knows whether or not the message was actually conveyed. That's a bad place to be, I would say. It sounds a good place to be, but you're actually not. It's actually not, right? I mean, it's not actually what you're looking for as a presenter or as a trainer or as a communicator in first place. So moving on to the moving on to something again related to the audience. You work with a lot of people, obviously, out preparing them, helping them for various presentations. Is that when we talk about the audience, are there cases where you need to know a lot or everything that you can find for the whole audience? Or are there any cases where you just need to spend your time focused on understanding one, two or three people in that room or in that virtual call? What are you seeing there? Yeah, that's a good question. So to make How do I say that? I'm just trying to reword in my mind. So to make it, uh, let's say the most clear, it depends on what your, your objective is, right? So if you're training, if you're presenting and you're in a training situation, or let's say you're onboarding and you need to have a group of, I don't know, 30 new employees onboarded with the skills they need to be successful in their roles and their situation, then you're obviously your goal would be to, um, up to, to bring as many of them as possible up to the level where you need them to be, we call it like proficiency to be able to succeed. So how do you do that? It's difficult to focus on all of them. So what you would do is you would think about, you would envision your ideal or not in case ideal, your typical, let's say your, your typical audience member. So what would a typical audience member be? Well, for this group of people, you know, maybe they're right out of school or maybe they're transitioning from another role into this role. Maybe they're, they were a coordinator. Now they're becoming a manager, something like that. 
um, you need to, so you can kind of, kind of identify some of the shared experiences that they have, some of the skills they already have, some of the perceptions they might have, some of the understandings they might have. And you bake that in, you take that into consideration when you're developing it to get kind of like a, you know, to maximize your impact with as many of them as possible. But at the end of the day, you, you need to, I always, I always recommend this. And actually I wrote an article on this recently um, to keep one person in mind. Like you should design your presentation and prepare as if you're presenting to one individual. And that will be the research shows that's most effective for reaching everyone. Right. And if it's, if you're in a situation where you're not training, if you're in like, let's say you're, you're, you're pitching an advertising campaign and there's really one decision maker in the room, even though there's maybe 15 people or 20 people, but there's like one decision maker. They're the person who's going to give you the green light. They're your desired audience. So really you're focusing on them. Now, the remainder of the audience, they'll get some value here and there, but I mean, they'll get some value from, you know, they, they will understand that your focus is, you know, getting the green light on your, they'll sympathize with you. It's not like they're kind of, you know, disregarded, but that's ultimately the, the plan is for, to maximize your own effectiveness, focus on one person and you'll find that you'll have a higher yield of success than if you try to be all things to all people and try to consider too many variables Usually that ends in people spinning their wheels and, and not optimizing their time. Yeah, I would completely agree with you. Like, especially the cases that you gave uh, for trainings, you want to move as many people as possible to that new world, right? To point B, where they take what you taught them and apply it. More or less every single training, I think, is all about that. Hey, take the learnings from here. And just try and go ahead and apply the next time you, let's say, need to build an, a presentation again, right? And the more people you make, uh, the more people you just convince to do that, the more people you um, move to that new world where they take everything that you learned and apply it afterwards, the better. Now, however, that's not always the case. And we also see it with our customers where we had cases where people are like, oh, who is the audience? And they're like, 800 people and I'm like okay but your goal is related to winning the competition right or winning a pitch contest and taking the money of even people like Bill Clinton and then once we ask that and say that and then ask who who will decide whether or not you get that money you'll get those money they're like well there is a jury and I'm like okay now that's interesting who is in the jury well, there are a few people there. How many? Five. Okay, who are those five people, right? And then you need to understand who those five are because in order for you to achieve your goal, you need to affect those five people. And from there, you you called it a desired audience, I think? Uh, you, your, your, your target audience? Yeah, target. Okay. I also heard like target, desired. I also, we also use a focused audience, focus audience for that case. Anyhow, but people should definitely, everyone who is listening, you definitely have to be thinking, which case are you in, right? Whether or not you want to affect as many people as possible, or are there any, a little bit more important people in that call that, or in that meeting that will help you achieve the goal that you wanted to achieve, right? So completely, completely agree. By the way, do you see that, do you see that being understood very well in the business world or not? It, that's a good question. It is by some, um, it is by some, and then others, they are kind of, I don't want to say stuck in their ways, but you know, there, there's a handful of 
um, professionals, let's say, that have their normal role to do, let's say they're an accountant or they're doing financial analytics, something like this, and they're they're focusing on that most of the time, and then a handful of times a year they have to present. Well, for those handful of times a year, uh, you, we find I found that many of them don't invest the time to improve their communication skills because it's such a small percentage of their job that they just you know they put something together and they deliver it and they they you know grit through it and then then they're done then they go back to their job. But for people who are let's say in sales or like real estate for for other industries where communication is more prominent, we you do see a shift because it's kind of at the end of the day, if you want to improve your effectiveness, you have to be open to changing your approach. And what you hit on earlier was very interesting when you said, you know, the jury members and the, and versus the whole audience, the 800 person audience and the, the five or four person jury, that is, that's crucial, right? Like if you, if you spend an hour, two, three tops analyzing that, finding out who are they? What are their, where do they come from? What are their backgrounds? What will resonate with them? What will, you know, we, I usually call that like a, a diagnostic or an, an audience analysis, but the time invested there will save you so much time in your slide designs, in your, the story you choose in, in everything else, because now you got it. Now you know what to do. You just, just a matter of executing the worst situation I find. And I did this a lot when I was younger. I'm sure I think all of us did at one point, we're building a presentation deck or we're building, and we're not really sure what we're doing. We're just putting it together as best we can and hoping for the best. It's not until we actually go through some some of the bumps and bruises that we realize actually there is a better way. If we find out where we're who we're speaking to and what we're trying to do, we can then gear everything and, as you said, focus all of our efforts on make bringing that to fruition, which is much more effective than trying to be all things to all people. Yeah. Now. Let's switch a little bit to a group that became quite popular uh, in the business world. They're, they're called millennials, right? There is something that you are quite passionate about. You work with a lot of organization that are organizations that have them as employees. Um, and sometimes they are also presenting. Uh, they're also presenting, right? But sometimes it is us, me and you and also organizations presenting to them. Is there anything unique? What are the specifics about that group, the group of millennials? How are you approaching? Like, how do we need to approach a presentation when we have them in the audience or on the other side of the call? Yeah, it's a lot to it's a lot to unpack there, a lot to address. Um, but let me start by saying, yeah, the I have worked with. In my time in higher education, sometimes I'm I'm talking to MBA students and I'm I'm guess like like lecturing MBA students, and then bridging that on the other side of the interns and the, those who are just transitioning into the the role, and then some people who are early on in their role or switching it up. Those usually they like in the past there were millennials. Now we're getting into the Gen Z area. The brackets kind of overlapping, but yeah, there are some interesting. Um, I don't know, let's call them commonalities amongst the, this group, the millennials and the Gen Z, that is different from, I would argue, like pastimes. And the reason is, be, I, I'm speaking kind of just from experience here, but many of the, the newer 
the people who are just entering their careers, many of them have had technology around them, access to technology their entire lives. Uh, they've been very, that's like fantastic. They're, they're, I love working with them. They're, they're, they process information extremely fast. Like they're, they're used to absorbing information at a very high rate. They're used to multi, they're very used to multitasking. They're very adept at multitasking. You know, the old myth that we shouldn't multitask. Like, <laughs> so try telling that to the millennials and the Gen Z who have been doing three or four things at the same time since they were five years old, right? So they, it, it's important to take that into consideration when, when I'm speak when we're presenting to them or when they're being trained on something. There, if you explain to them what they need to do and what that will produce in the outcome, they're very, very effective at executing that. Uh, I think sometimes where there's some disconnect is when, like, sometimes some of the typical business presentations, they're a little bit more, a little bit broader scope. Typically, they're a little bit longer in duration. There's a little bit more, they go a little bit deeper in certain areas. Sometimes the you know, the, the newer, let's say the millennials and the Gen Zers, they don't resonate with that kind of, they're not used to that, that communication. Like I, I, many of them, I, I talk to, they listen to YouTube on like 1.5 or 2X. Like they, they just, they process this information so quickly that for them, if it's going a little bit slowly, they're not, that's not in their wheelhouse as they're not as used to it. So that takes a little bit of time for them to adapt. And also because coming from, I mean, before we, the going through interviews and going through a lot of the day-to-day the -day life, people would have, uh, the millennials have, have had technology for so long. They've been texting, they've been, you know, on, on social media, they've had all this, this technology. They have not, some of the older generation who haven't had that, they're not as familiar with the communication of today. And some of the younger generation aren't as familiar as the communication that the older generation is used to. So sometimes there is a little bit of disconnect there and that just takes a simple kind of, you know, just shared understanding of uh, different experiences. But ultimately, yeah, that's, that's what I would say to, to, for the millennial group and the, the Gen Zers who are just entering is that I think that businesses, if we start, if we start, if we continue to, to, to show, to treat them like they're, they can process information very quickly and they can multitask very quickly and they can be brought up to speed very quickly that I think that they'll, they'll find that they'll succeed. They'll thrive because they, they've been, that's what they've been designed to, you know, they've been prepared for their whole lives. Yeah. And what about, what about their, the presentation skills of the millennials themselves? Like, what do you see? Because you're working with those, I was about to call them children, but they're not children anymore, I think. <laughs> but what do, what do you see with, what is the current status of their presentation skills? Like, how are they doing it? Because you said it, I think, very well that they live in this social media world and YouTube is the default app that they go to or they even consume it on twice the speed or whatever. Like, what do you see when it gets to the moment when they need to speak in front of a group of people, be that their, be that their colleagues or be that the, um, the students around them, like the group that they work with? Right. So when I help millennials and Gen Zers, let's say any young adult entering the, their careers or even in higher education transitioning, many of them have... Uh, they have a lot of, I guess in the past we'd call it stage fright, but we call it like, like speaking anxiety, nervousness. 
there seems to be a lot of that. That seems to be one of the, the big trends. And I, I, there hasn't been much research done on that yet as to why the cause. I mean, we could speculate, you know, because of, I don't know, more technology, less dependence on physical communication. And now uh, with this pandemic and everyone's doing everything virtually, I mean, even you and I are doing this interview right now virtually, we that might change things in the future. Who knows? But in, in the past, up till, let's say, pre-pandemic, a lot of the clients I've worked with who are millennials had a lot of, they expressed a lot of nervousness, a lot of anxiety when they're speaking in front of, in a group of others. And um, so that's one of the, the common trends that I've seen with them. Another one that I've seen is they have, they, some of them understand right away that they, what, what they're there to do. So I'm in this presentation, I need to explain A, B, and C and make sure the audience does D. And that's my goal. That's some of them, they, they understand that and they're off to the races. They're good to go. Some of the others, there's a trend of, they spend a lot of time with their slide design and may, and trying to make their, their presentation look very uh, appealing, very attractive, very bright, very flashy. Um, and they, they spend a lot of time, I don't want to say uh, tinkering with their slides, but kind of like redesigning them, re-engineering their slides because they view their, their, and this is coming from them, they, they tell me their slides are kind of like a representation of the quality of their presentation. So, yeah, because of that, it, what, what ends up happening is more of, they, they kind of become dependent on their slides. And then sometimes they default to reading their slides, or sometimes they, they focus on their, they're, they're actually looking at their slides more often than they're presenting and using them as an aid to help them. And sometimes that can be uh, less effective because at that point, they're, they're not focused on getting the audience to a certain point or achieving a, a desired outcome or a goal. They're focused on like getting, making sure they get through all their content. So um, that's, that's another a trend that I've, I've seen. So those are kind of the two. Yeah. All right. That is interesting. I didn't, I haven't noticed. Not that we work a lot with that group, but I haven't noticed the slide design thing and the confusion that, or not the confusion, but the the fact that they approach the slide design with this uh, attention to the detail, having in mind or believing that this is actually the this stands for the quality of their presentation and nothing else. That is an interesting. I need to be monitoring for that one for sure the next time when when we see or when we work with someone uh, with a group of millennials because we end end up sometimes working with those um guys and gals and it's always a pleasure because i think that i would double i would agree with the fact that you uh what you said is once they capture like once they understand the idea that there is a goal there is a not i just think that and everything that you said actually with the multitasking I really think that they can understand a point or understand a concept very quickly, you know, mm -hmm. like every, we, with our experience, because we get invited to speak and train some super young people uh, from time to time, everything that we tell them, it looks like they just accept it and they are very quick to do it extremely well, you know which is not the case with the typical corporate world where you are talking with somebody, but they're like, no, I know how to do this, or they just resist that change somehow. 
like it's taking them way more time yeah i agree with i i've had that experience too where you know with, with like you said in the typical corporate world i've had a, a handful of times where it, when you're you're sharing with them a new skill or, or a new a new approach that will save them time or be more effective in doing something some form of communication sometimes you get uh, like questioning right like how do we know that where's the research for that has it worked here does it work in this place and I mean, it's fine. We welcome it. And that's kind of like what we're used to. Whereas the younger generation who are just entering it, you're right. If you tell them this way will yield the most success. Okay, done. Next. Like they're ready for the next point. <laughs> like they're, they're, they're more, you know, they easily absorb information because they want to apply it and then go forward. Right. And just one more thing I wanted to mention on slide yeah. design. I had a, a story came to mind recently. I was working with um, a startup company doing some consulting and kind of coaching them on their their presentation and we do you know it, it got to the point where they had built a slide deck and usually uh, sometimes when the i say usually but occasionally when they're doing going through rounds of investment sometimes they have to you know just pitch after pitch after pitch after pitch and the, some of the pitches are only five minutes long so while we're doing the consulting okay we should go with this approach because these are who the investors are again goes back to the audience who are they what are they, you know, what typically have they invested in? What kind of things do they like to see? You know, are they numbers based, this and that? So um, what happened, you know, they would give me, sometimes they would give me their their slides and they would tell, can you review my slides? I say, yeah, sure. And I say, yeah, the slides are, are effective and they, they're not 100% happy with that. They want me to tweak something, which is fine. I can tweak something and, and, and change something, but it's it, in their mind, it's the slide deck that will get them the investment right? This is what will get me the $5 million I'm looking for, right? Something like that. And I, I try to explain to them, like, they're investing in you and your company and what you've built and the story, you're, how you're showing them the evidence that you're going to continue to grow. They're not investing in how nice your slides are, right? So, but a lot of people, they, they have that understanding, especially um, like I find like the, the new entrepreneurs that, that are coming up, the, the younger startup companies, they, they want their slides to be immaculate like perfection and who doesn't want their slides to be that right but that comes at a cost and that's usually is like time and you know you could be spending that time rehearsing or doing something else something more productive i would i would argue yeah do you see any other do you see any other mistakes let's let's call them mistakes or misunderstandings or something that they need to work on are there any other areas except for now, especially that understanding that the slide design is everything and the slide deck is everything. Anything else that you're seeing there? Um, yeah, there are a couple. Uh, there's one thing that I think it's common. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a, um, specific to them, uh, to the, like I said, the generation moving into the workforce. But one of the issues that I, I see come up again and again is a tendency to procrastinate. So... They're being told they have to deliver a presentation in two weeks. Uh, they won't stop. They won't begin working on it the day they hear about it. Oftentimes they'll 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 push it and tell us I'll do it in a couple of days, and then a couple of days go by, and I'll start the next day, and then and then you know they'll start usually a short time before, depending how not the day of, but you know a short time before, depending on the time frame that they have. I've noticed that a lot, and I think. A little bit of that is, you know, they're, they are nervous because maybe they haven't presented as much as someone who's more seasoned, who's been doing it for 20 years, let's say. 
Um, so that, that springs to mind. Another thing that, that they've mentioned to me a lot, I, I hear this all the time. Oh, I wish I didn't have to do this at all. Or oh, I wish you could do it for me. I get that one all the time, even from my students, from students. I wish you could just present for me. Um, but the, the issue, the, what, what some people fail to realize is presentations are not, they're not a burden. They're not a chore, especially in the workplace. What they are is an opportunity to shine, right? They are an opportunity for mm -hmm. you to showcase to others how proficient you are, how, your skill set, um, your communication skills, sometimes we call them soft skills. Like it's, it's your opportunity to, to showcase them to whomever is in the audience. And oftentimes that pays dividends down the road. You know, when, when time comes for a promotion or you're looking for, you know, to new opportunities, the, your reputation, you're building your brand, right? And that's, that's a good, if, if I always tell my, to my, my higher education students and my, my clients, if you are being asked to present something, that's an opportunity. That means someone's giving you an opportunity to shine and you should seize it and not be afraid of it. Right. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully more people will hear that because I don't believe that a presentation is an opportunity just for the youngsters. It's an opportunity for everybody. Uh, absolutely. Everybody like cannot agree with everything that you just said. So going back to the millennial group, uh, what are the resources, uh, what are the places, what are the things that they can do to find help, like to become better? Like what would you advise them if they're listening to this one, which I believe they, there are at least some uh, that are listening to this podcast that are in that group of millennials, what should they do? Um, like just helpful advices, helpful resources for them. Yeah, so there's a couple things that they could do, um, and one of them is they could check out uh, three, five, six labs and uh, check out professional presentation services. And you know, there's there's a number of you. I would how would you, how would you say it? I don't want to say like um, qualified, but there, there's a number of let's say proven um, professional uh, presentation experts out there who are going to give you quality uh, insight, quality feedback. And a lot of the places, like it's funny that the network of presentation experts, what I would call us, I haven't come across one yet that's very guarded about their resources, right? Like every person I, I've, you know, I have a network of maybe 15, 20, and we all share, you know, do you have a, a you know, a PDF or a sheet that can help me build a storyline? Here you go. I have a tricky introduction I'm working on. How can I segue into it? Here you go. So people are very, very, um, you know, willing to help with resources. So that would be, I would definitely always recommend that. In addition to that, if your issue is you're nervous and your stage fright, uh, virtual reality has, they've come a long way and there is actual programs now with your phone that you can use and it, it simulates that you're speaking in front of people. Um, you can, decide how many people, whether it's a hundred, whether it's five, you can choose whether they're, they're sitting at a table or wherever it's, it's incredible now. And the research has shown that I think there's a 60% uh, decrease in anxiety and nerves when you're presenting, if you rehearse uh, twice with those uh, with like virtual reality. So that's come a long way in terms of, of that. I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of if I'm a millennial, what would I do? Number one, the one thing I would do too is I would yep. investigate my audience. I would find out who my audience is. Um, for resources on that, again, you can check out any uh, like any of our websites, and we have a lot of different documents that could point you in the right questions to ask and how to find out. Getting a mentor 
at your place of work is great. It's not always, it doesn't always work out, but if you're fortunate enough to have one, that's a, a, an invaluable asset to have because the mentor can then explain to you the expectations and can, uh, you know, you can show them it beforehand and they can kind of, uh, we call it vetting. They can vet it. They can, can screen your, your presentation, your slides, give you feedback. And even now there, there's so much technology that's, that has like, I think uh, Microsoft PowerPoint now as a feature where it will record you while you're presenting it and it will give you automated feedbacks where you have the hesitation sounds, the ums and the ahs and where it's fluid and where it's most effective. It's not a hundred percent, but those little things, if you compile those, if you do those, if you're serious about improving your presentations and improving your effectiveness, each of those um, resources will help move the needle a little bit in your favor. Yeah, the one, the technology that Microsoft announced is actually called Rehearse with Coach. Um, this is the technology that you are uh, pointing to. It works better still. At the time of this recording, it still works better in PowerPoint Online for some reason, uh, meaning that you have to upload the presentation to OneDrive and open it from there. Uh, but overall, I would, like that technology, when I saw it first, I was like, that looks super cool. I mean... Just enable it, turn it on while you're rehearsing. It's a free, like just free of charge, completely, um, completely, like just free of charge feedback. Yes, it is from an algorithm, but I personally was surprised how accurate some of the suggestions are. And yeah, again, it's just free. So if you're using PowerPoint, you can utilize it. I think that if not, PowerPoint, you can utilize apps like Ori, uh, yeah. that yeah, that can help you out with something something like this. Anyway, I will make sure that we link those technologies in the show notes so that people can check them out. Now let's switch uh, gears to something that I believe is super super interesting. You wrote a book, uh, and it's on presentations. Obviously, it's called the Effective Presenter. Tell us like. Tell us more, like what happened there? How did you end up writing a book? What is the book all about? Give us the backstory there. Right. So, yeah, thank you. So I did write a book recently. It's going to come out this summer. It'll be released this summer, I believe at the in July. And so July 2021, for those of you, I don't know what time you're going to be listening to this podcast. And it'll be available for pre-order next, uh, next month, starting in beginning of April. What happened was it was kind of interesting because I, like I said, I love teaching. I love education. And that's what I, I went into is my, my passion. And then what I found was, I would say I'm very fortunate because I found, we call it like the cherry on top. Even in addition to all of that, in my free time, I get to help companies and, and you know, executives and professionals with their presentations, which is, it's the world. So what happened was I didn't, I found, I didn't have enough time. There just wasn't enough hours in the day to help all, all of my, my friends and colleagues and, and people who needed help in, with their presentations outside. And I would direct off, I would direct them to my friends and fellow presentation experts. And, but oftentimes I just found that it was a lot of, it was a lot of um, inflow. So what I, what was brought to my attention, one of my, one of my friends and clients said to me, why don't you just write a book? And that way we don't have to bother you. Every time we have a question to ask, we can go back to the book. So I, I thought, yeah, yeah, sure, I yeah. should write a book. But I'm not like I write and I don't mind writing. And you know, professor professor of communications, I 
I, I don't mind writing, but I love speaking. I love talking. I love presenting. So, so writing a book was never something that was on my radar. I never really considered it. And then when that got brought up to me, I thought about it a little bit. I thought about it a little more and I thought, you know what? Yeah, let's, I'll start it. So, so I did. And what I actually designed, and I'll send it to you after this. I, I thought about this before with a podcast. I'll send you, I have a, an image, a visual of, I call it the professional presentation framework. And it's, it looks like almost like a pyramid and it's a, a series of steps that you can go to, you can go through when you're facing a presentation, you have an upcoming presentation and it will ensure that you have the highest probability of success if you've gone through the steps and you've answered the questions and you've incorporated them into your presentation. So once I designed that, then I thought, okay, well, you know what? Each one of the steps can be its own chapter and I'll give tips and hints and phrases along the way that you can use. And I put in some stories. I incorporate a lot of stories, both from, from corporate and from higher education that illustrate some of the points and some of the lessons learned. And yeah, I, I basically overall thought, how can I kind of compile all my experiences in a user-friendly way so that others could see it and get some value out of it? So there's a lot of images. There's a lot of um, stories because I wanted it to be user-friendly. I didn't want someone to pick it up and be like, oh, this is a chore, I'm gonna get through this. I wanted them to think, I need to learn more yeah. about how to manage my time. Uh, where's the chapter on that, right? And they can go yeah. through a couple pages and then yeah. boom, now they know how to do. That was the, the, the what do you, would you say, the impetus behind it. So so yeah, that's that's it's finished and it's being published now. It's coming out this summer and I'm pretty excited about it. It's called The Effective Presenter because I believe that anyone can become an effective presenter. It's just a matter of understanding what it means to be effective and then practicing those skills. And that's really it. Yeah. I double checked the name. When you said the effective presenter now, I was like, did I mention, did I go in the right way? I was like, let me check my notes <laughs> here quickly so that I make sure that I pronounced it also. And I said the correct name also. Anyway, uh, and I did. I saw my notes, so I, I said the effective <laughs> presenter. So, um, just one very like just for myself, are you self-publishing it or is it through a publisher? No, it's through a publisher. Um, I considered self-publishing it. You know, let's say that's another interesting thing. Uh, when you go to publish a book, I'm not sure if you, um, but if for any of you listeners out there, when you have the idea that you want to write a book, there are now, like in 2021, there's a hundred different ways you can do it. Right. There's like so many. There's there's big publishers, there's small publishers, there's independent publishers, there's self-publishing. There's you know, you can hire people to to kind of uh, they call it ghostwriting to write your story for you. So there's so many different ways. But for me, I wanted my goal was not to that's going to sound. I, mean, I don't know how it's going to I don't know how this is going to come out. But my goal, I, I don't plan to get rich from the book. I don't I didn't put it out there as a resource to make money. I just wanted it to be easily accessible to as many people as possible so that they could get the help they need to be more effective. And I thought going with a publisher would be the best way to do that because of their established distribution channels and because of their ability to promote it. Um, so yeah, it wasn't uh, yeah. it wasn't a super lucrative deal or anything like that that was signed, but it was a deal that, that would help, you know, get the book into the hands of as many people as possible to help them out. Sounds great. Looking forward to the book already, June or July. I will be double checking with you and just pinging you uh, to tell us when it's when is it going to be available for pre-order? Is it April or May? 
April. So next month it'll April. be available for pre-order. Yeah. And it will be all across, meaning it will be all in Amazon, in all of the typical places where you would expect the book to be, right? Yeah, that's right. Amazon, Apple, like, yeah, it'll be in all those locations. Perfect. Now, one last question before we end this up, uh, before we end this episode, anyone that made an impression on you somehow related to presentations, of course, but someone that you believe that we need to get to the podcast, like somebody that is involved with the presentation space in one way or the other, even if it's a business person or a student of yours that just seems to care so much and is doing an incredible progress, like who should we get to this on this podcast? One name only. One name only. Okay, that's an interesting question because when I was looking through, I was listening to the other podcasts, I noticed a lot of my friends and colleagues you've had on. Um, so I'm not sure if you've had this, this gentleman on, but he is a friend of mine and he's, um, fantastic. He's probably got the best design presentations I've ever seen. Um, his name is, uh, Alexei Kaptarov. He's from uh, Russia. From Russia? Pardon me? Or not? Is it, is he from Russia or not? Yes. He's from Russia. Uh, say his family name again. Isn't it Kapteref? Yep, Kapteref. Yeah. Okay, good. So Alexei is going to be part of the Present to Succeed in April 2021. So he's a speaker at the event. Uh, if he is the same person, <laughs> if he is the same person. But anyhow, <laughs> go ahead. Yes, I, I spoke with him yesterday. Actually, we had a, a conversation, and he mentioned that to me I, when I had mentioned to him I was going on the podcast. He said, "Oh, I've been asked to speak at the Present to Succeed." And yeah, I believe Alexi is, I was, I was well into presentations before I came across any of his, I mean, he's written a book as well and yeah. he has a Coursera course and he's got a lot of resources out there and he's just, he's just a very friendly, very, uh, how would you say like down to earth, like person. And when he, he approaches his presentations like that, so he doesn't make presentations for you know very high level uh, technical thinkers like engineer he makes presentations for that everyone can understand and relate to and uh yeah he's he's become a, a good friend of mine and he him and i we chat and he's i think he's fantastic at slide design and and doing that kind of work so if i were if i were you and getting someone else in the food i want next i would talk to him because i'm sure he's got some great pearls of wisdom he can drop yeah, the, the secret is that the yeah the interesting part here is that I actually shot him an email three or four days ago. Uh, there were actually two emails, one for the conference and one to remind him that he can join us on the podcast. So stay tuned, maybe an episode with uh, him is coming <laughs> up very, very soon. Okay, so Ryan, um, where can people find... Obviously, we are going to link uh, the... Um, in the show notes, we're going to make sure that the book is there. But what is the other place where people can find more about you? Or what is the place or both where people can connect with you? Sure. So my website is uh, professionalpresentationservices.com. And it's so and I'll come back to that in a second. My website's there and all of my my the services I do are there, the coaching, the consulting services are there. Uh, some of the companies I've worked with in the past, the organizations I've helped. And also what I've done recently is I've made an articles and resources page where any 
resource I create that I think will help people with their presentations and planning it or rehearsing it. I upload there, they're PDFs, they're free to download. Uh, I write articles every, I try to write once a week, once every two weeks, I'll write a new article, just a little tidbit of information. So you can join our, our outpost, our, um, our mailing list. You can subscribe and those will come out to you. They're also hosted on the website. I've just recently done a podcast as well, but my podcast is more, I did it just because I was getting a lot of questions, a lot of, a lot of, you know, demands, not demands, a lot of requests for, you know, information. This is my situation. What would you do type of thing? So I, I kind of, I make note of them and then every two weeks I'll do a podcast. I'll just record like, Hey, this is your circumstance. This is what I would do. And just give some insight to whomever's listening. And those are hosted on, on my website. And they're also on SoundCloud and Spotify and everything I do. I try as, as often as possible to share on LinkedIn. So I have a, a company page on LinkedIn professional presentation services. And it was funny when I first chose that name, everyone, all of my friends and colleagues told me it's too long. It's too long of a, of a website. People are, are going to want to type that in. Um, yeah. But I got to tell you, the emails I've been getting, the, the requests for podcast topics and discussions and the articles, I don't think people have a problem typing it in. So, so yeah, it's a little, uh, it's interesting what you, I just wanted something that would be very clear to what I'm doing, but yeah, in the end it worked out. So. Yeah, and it's also hard to find a name that's still clear, but not long, uh, I would say. Uh, and the fact that you found something that's a little bit longer, but still, as you can see, works very well. I mean, that's great news for you. What can I say? I mean, that is, <laughs> that is what you should be happy for. Perfect. So I'll make sure that we link. Um, we mentioned the book somehow and link to the pre-order somehow in the show notes. Your LinkedIn profile will be there and obviously the website so that people can get uh, to all of the information that you are sharing. Uh, Rand, thanks for joining. I mean, that was super fun, at least for me. I hope that everyone who is listening uh, took a lot of ideas and insights, especially the millennials. Let's just put it this way. Or the yeah. people who end up presenting in front of millennials. Uh, thanks again for doing this. Super, super fun to have you. We need to do it again at some point in the, in the future. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun too. And yeah, I hope we do this again sometime. It was great. Perfect. Everyone, uh, you know where to find all of the links. If you have any question in regards to our conversation here with, uh, with Ryan, just ask, just shoot that question and I'll make sure that um, we will uh, send you an answer and we'll provide you with an answer. And I'll, if needed, I'll even tag Ryan to see the question if he uh, <laughs> missed it for some, uh, for some reason. In the meantime, uh, visit also our website, 356labs.com and not 365labs, 356labs.com and see um, how we are bringing and how we are helping some of the biggest brands out there with their presentations, uh, training needs, and also since recently virtual events. Um, if you still don't know about the yearly Present to Succeed conference, uh, this is something that our company organizes. Check that one too and join us in the upcoming edition. Um, thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Subscribe if you like it and share with a friend. See you in the next one. Bye.